Elizabeth Ackmeyer is a biblical scholar, and she has a little commentary on the book of Jonah. And in the beginning of this commentary on Jonah, she says that the problem or the challenge with the book of Jonah is not the story about Jonah being swallowed by the fish, nor does she say that we should spend time speculating on how Jonah might have survived within the belly of the fish. Rather, she says that the challenge of this book is in accepting what it says about God's compassion, about God's long-suffering, especially in the face of wickedness, rebellion, and evil. The book of Jonah teaches us that God is slow to anger and, and full of compassion. And so what I want to do this morning is just spend a, a few minutes uh, thinking about the book of Jonah and reflecting especially on what it says about God. And then by extension, what it says about us, the people of God. And we'll focus on the passage we're given. But again, I want to think about what does this tell us about God and what does it tell us about we who are the people of God. So if you would, if you're here, grab your bulletin. I'm going to just walk us through the passage. It'll be helpful if you're looking at it. If you're at home, grab a Bible. Uh, we we're starting at the beginning of chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible, that's fine. I'll be reading the verses. But I'll begin uh, with our first verse from our, our passage because this really sets the stage for us. It says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, Get up, go to Nineveh. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Uh, we probably remember the beginning of this, this story. God comes to Jonah, and he calls to him and, and tells them that he wants Jonah to go to Nineveh. But Jonah doesn't want to do this. And so instead of doing what God does, calls him to do, he does the very opposite. Nineveh is to the east, and so Jonah heads west. We're told he heads to Tarshish, which is in modern-day Spain, so about as far west as he can go. He is running away from God, uh, disobeying God. Now, on his way uh, to flee from God, he's in a boat. A storm overtakes the boat. He's thrown overboard. He sinks to his watery grave, but at the last moment, a fish scoops him up. God speaks to this fish. The fish spits Jonah out, uh, and he is saved. So that's, that's the first two chapters, kind of the cliff notes for those first few tap, two chapters. And what we see in the beginning of the story is that God saves Jonah in his rebellion. God saves him. And he not only saves Jonah, but what we see is that God doesn't sideline him. In fact, God re-enlists him for the very same ministry he called Jonah to in the beginning. And you know why he does that? That's because our God is a God of second chances. Here you have this man, this rebellious man, uh, consciously turning away from God. And God says, Let's do that again. Let's try one more time. Go to Nineveh. So here at the beginning, the first thing we see in our passage is that our God 
is a God of second chances. Now, the city that God tells Jonah to go to, it's the city of Nineveh. And we're told in the first chapter of Jonah that the wickedness of the city had risen up to God. Nineveh was the capital of the Assyrian Empire, uh, and the Assyrians were, were mortal enemies with Israel. And they were known as a rather cruel people, especially for those they conquered, and they, they conquered a lot of people. Uh, in fact, after this, they will come into northern Israel and conquer the ten tribes of northern Israel. They deport all of them, and the ten tribes just disappear from history. Nahum, another prophet after Jonah, he will call Nineveh, their capital, a city of blood. So we in the story are to see Nineveh as a, as a cruel and wicked people, as it says in the first chapter. And yet, again, we see God's compassion. God sends Jonah to call them to repentance. He warns them. He wants them to turn back. We see his compassion again. In our lives, we can often be like Nineveh. We are given freedom in our lives, freedom to pursue our desires, even our wicked desires. We can live in our rebellion, but God, over and over again, he will come to us and call us back. God does not want our sin to define us, to overpower us, so that our grumbling makes us the grumbler. Our lusting makes us the lecher. Our greed makes us the miser. Our, our hard-heartedness shrivels our souls and makes us dead to God. He doesn't want that. He is slow to anger. And sometimes he sends a faithful friend, sometimes an illuminating circumstance, sometimes the church, sometimes our conscience, wanting to grab us and to say, Stop. Stop. Turn back to me. You are becoming a stranger to me. So this is what Jonah goes to do. He goes to call Nineveh back. And when he gets there, we're told, he declares, 40 days more and Nineveh will be overthrown. That's all he says. Really, it's not the most creative preaching. Uh, you know, he doesn't have an illustration to nail down the point. He just says, 40 days more and you will be overthrown. Your end is coming, Nineveh. And that's when we're told the miracle happens. We're told this, that the people of Nineveh believed God. They didn't believe Jonah necessarily, but they believed God, and they repented. Uh, we have a few verses in our reading, uh, if you're looking at your bulletin, uh, that have been removed. Uh, if you're looking at a Bible at home, you'll see these verses. But there's a little description of their repentance. We're told that the people uh, declare a fast, the whole city. And we're told that the king takes off his robes, puts on sackcloth, and sits in ashes. They turn back to God. They ask for forgiveness. And this is what we read. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil ways... God changed his mind about the calamity that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. So they repent, they ask for forgiveness, and God shows them compassion. But that's when our story gets interesting, because then we read Jonah's response. The next verse, 
It says, but this was very displeasing to Jonah, and he became angry. Jonah is furious. He thinks Nineveh deserves judgment, not compassion. He is is fit to be tied. And so he speaks to God. It says this, But this was very displeasing to Jonah, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said while I was still in my own country? That is why I fled to Tarshish at the beginning. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and ready to relent from punishing. And then he tells God, just kill me, God, end my life. He says to God, I don't even want to live in a world where you treat people like that with compassion and mercy. They deserve judgment. I don't want to live in this world anymore. Just kill me. I can remember September of 2001, uh, I had just moved out of Manhattan. I'd moved in July. Uh, Trisha, my wife, we weren't married at the time, uh, but we were engaged, and she was still living in the city in, in New York, and then the September 11th attacks happened. But I remember a few days after that, I was in a church, and in the prayers, we prayed for bin Laden in uh, the terrorists who had committed Uh, these attacks. Uh, We're told to pray for our enemies. And we did that. But it was hard. It was a struggle. Because I didn't want to pray for them. I wanted judgment. You see, Jonah wanted judgment. This is not a a, um, strange response. I mean, this is something we're all capable of. So Jonah says to God, he says, Just end my life, God. I don't want to live in a world like this. And it wouldn't have helped uh, to say to Jonah, well, Jonah, God stays with you despite your rebellion, your cowardness, your meanness, your self-righteousness. Why shouldn't God stay with others? Jonah has a hard time with God's compassion. And here's the thing to notice about Jonah, because I think it's a warning to us. Because of Jonah's anger, his anger over God's mercy, because of his anger, the very violence that Jonah so condemned in Nineveh, this violence has now entered his own soul. He wants to see Nineveh judged. And because it's not, he is furious. He is furious and violent. But then God asked Jonah this very simple but very penetrating question. He says, is it right for you to be angry? And Jonah, of course, thinks he's right. He thinks the very meaning of the godly life is lost when sinners are treated this way. But God says to him, and and to me, this is the, the heart of the passage and the heart of the book of Jonah. God says, my heart is for the Ninevehs of this world. My heart is is for the Ninevehs of this world. And that is something we have to remember about God. And we have to remember that if we are to be the people of God, our hearts also have to be for the Ninevehs of this world. We are are called, I believe, just like Jonah, 
to go to the Ninevehs. And, and I don't know what Nineveh you might be called to, but I think each of us has some person, some place, some situation we, where we are called to go and to preach the good news of the gospel and to say, God so desperately wants you to, to turn around. He so desperately wants you to come and to be part of his people. He takes no delight in your estrangement. The way the Apostle Paul puts it is he says that we are to be ambassadors of reconciliation. The reconciliation won for us in Jesus. And God has reconciled us to him. And he doesn't just speak words to us. He doesn't just send prophets to us. No, what makes the gospel is that God comes himself. God comes himself to make reconciliation between himself and the world. This is how Paul puts it, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He says, so if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. And all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the Ninevehs to himself, entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. So we are ambassadors for Christ, since God is making his appeal through us. We entreat you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him, Jesus, to be sin, who knew no sin, so that you and I, and all the Ninevehs of the world might be reconciled to God. We are to be ambassadors of reconciliation. As I was writing this story, this sermon, I, I remembered a story that you may have heard before. It's um, in a book called The Hiding Place by Corey Ten Boom. Uh, it was made into a, a movie a number of years ago, this book. But Corey Ten Boom was a Dutch woman. And she and her family, her father and her sister during World War II, hid Jews. And at one point, they are, they are caught. They're sent to the camps where her father and sister died. Now, she survives, and afterwards, she began sharing about her experience and talking about how God sustained her during this, this darkness. Now, in, in her book, she says at one point she had spoken to a large group, and, and after the speech, a number of people came to, to say thank you, when suddenly, she says, a man approached her with an outstretched hand, and he said to her, will you forgive me? And Corey says that she looked at him, and she recognized him as the cruelest of the guards at the camp. This was the guard who had tormented her, who had belittled and humiliated both her and her sister. And now he stood in front of her with his hand outstretched saying, will you forgive me? And this is what she writes. She says, I stood there with coldness clutching at my heart, but I know that the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. I pray Jesus help me. Woodenly, mechanically, I thrust my hand into the one stretched out to me, and I experienced an incredible thing. The current 
It started in my shoulder, ran down my arm, and sprang into our clenched hands. Then this warm reconciliation seemed to flood my whole being. It brought tears to my eyes, and I proclaimed, I forgive you. I forgive you with all my heart. For a long moment, we grasped each other's hands, the former guard, the former prisoner. I had never known the love of God as intensely as I did in that moment. To forgive is to let the prisoner free, and it turns out that often the prisoner is you. Powerful story. We are the recipients of grace, and we worship a God who is the God of second chances, and we are called to go out into the Ninevehs of the world and to preach repentance, to say, come, come, come into the kingdom where there is justice and righteousness in life. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.